Welcome one and all to another TMG interview, talking movies with those who make them. Paul Preston here with two of the team members behind Wavelength Productions. And I'm not going to describe Wavelength uh, better than they explain themselves. So let me just go with with their description. A full-service financing production and development company dedicated to supporting films that are unflinching, courageous, and radical in their approach. Wavelength has a full slate of films released and in production. Two of note have been talked about uh, much over the last two years, those being Knocked Down the House and Won't You Be My Neighbor. Joining me are President and Executive Producer Jennifer Westfall and Producer Joe Plummer. Hey. That's a nice intro. Huh? Can I take that on the road with me? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not we'll, everybody responds that way. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut this uh, <laughs> out for you. Send it to you, and you can just play Maybe it at every live fantastic. engagement, I'll even just, dinners. I'll, I'll just play uh, the applause on my phone as yeah. you walk into the room. It'll be fun. <laughs> Have you ever been to the? Uh, we're already on a tangent. That's this show, by the way. <laughs> I love have it. you been to the Harry Potter uh, Hogsmeade up at Universal Studios? Yeah. I actually have. I just went the last time I was here with my son. I got spoiled that John Williams <laughs> scored my every step. I now need that everywhere That's that right. I go. Exactly. And yeah. that was the same yeah. thing at Galaxy's Edge down at Disneyland, too. Yeah. I, I need that now in my life. Yeah, once, you're, once your life is set to a soundtrack, you're like, how did I survive before this? Exactly. Right? And, and Williams, I mean, it's yeah. not going to get better. Right. It could be worse. They, we, I peaked early with yeah, people right. scoring my every that's move. That's right. Ennio Morricone did mine. Yeah. My Ooh. kids were always terrified of hearing me walk from my bedroom to the kitchen. My son would be like, I said, what do you guys think when you hear me coming? They're like, it's not a drill. Incoming, incoming. This is not a drill. I'm like, all right. Thanks, guys. The Jaws. The that's why yeah. I, I, I love the applause. I'll play it when I walk in that's right. to see my kids. Yeah. I'll just play my own applause. Kids, go to bed. <laughs> My work here is done. Uh, well, let's. Uh, if I, I never talked to you before the show about whether we swear on this show, and this show isn't uh, oh, no. going out to radio stations or anything. It's just our podcast, so okay. we do swear. And uh, to prove it, I will tell you. I'll tell the world the tagline of Wavelength uh, Productions. We tell great fucking stories. Amen. Oh, that's when you need to play the applause. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I just love that you lead with that. That's great. Yeah. My husband, who's a big corporate guy, when we first put that on our website, was like, you know, you can't do that. And I, I was like, yeah, actually, we can. And we are. And Right away. So right away, a guy. A guy. Mansplained how to do your company. My husband is one of the best. Yeah. And... Uh, and we have gotten nothing but fabulous reactions. <laughs> people love from it. People. people love it. Yeah. So I was like, in the movie industry, I think it's a little different. So we can use the F word. Yeah, I to. think we are a little more. I don't think Dow Chemical is going to put that on their website. But yeah. in the film business, people are a <laughs> yeah. little more relaxed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we make great fucking floor cleaners. <laughs> that's yeah, right. that's, that's not going to. Right. That's, that's, right. that's different. Uh, so you founded Wavelength in 2015. How did it come together? Now, I, this is a very mission centric uh, film company it seems so was it the mission and then you gathered the people around it or was it a bunch of people you wanted to work with and you said hey it seems that we would all work best doing this well it, none of those actually oh, okay um, <laughs> that's why i'm not the producer <laughs> um really how it came together was uh you know sort of one of those serendipitous things so uh i tell everybody before that you know i i was a stay-at-home mom, so to speak. Uh, I ran homeschooling programs for my kids and also ran a very successful autism program for my son. And then, annoyingly, 
they got older and all went off to college. And I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I thought, all right, let me just take a year here and figure this out. And along came this idea of, and I love documentary films. I've always loved documentary films. And uh, came this idea of maybe we could tell our son's story through a documentary film. And through chocolate, I knew Joe's wife, <laughs> and chocolate is always the important word to throw in here. Uh, and that's how I met Joe, because Joe was involved in television and uh, all kinds of, you know, movie projects and so we got talking about this film and next thing you know uh, I go to Catalyst in Sundance's program called Catalyst in 2016 and uh, so you know I put together the company and thought all right let's do this and I go to Catalyst 2016 and that's where I ran into Morgan Neville and his team for Won't You Be My Neighbor and got involved with that film and, and Morgan Neville at that point had already made 20 feet from stardom he'd already won, won the Oscar, Oscar yeah won the Oscar right and uh and they're just fabulous to work with and so from there uh joe and i got introduced to a bunch of projects and got going on those and then we continued there was another film that we had kind of come along it's called unschooled it's just about ready to come out so we um we just took it from there so it sounds like you could have gone into politics not as I much as filmmaking, because you know, like it sounds like I, I watched it's Knock Down the House, and, and we'll get to it's that because it sounded yeah. like people who ran for all the women who ran for Congress in 2018 started stories like you did. Well, my son was this and this, and now change needs to happen. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Well, it's funny enough. That's what I used to do when I was about 150 years ago. When I was gotcha. in my 20s, uh, I worked on political campaigns. So. I guess was it, we just took it from there. Well, you you didn't stay with it, so was it satisfying, or have you just had enough, or? Oh, I you know that's one of those businesses you either love it or you don't. There's no middle ground. There and are people who like Neil Diamond, and then there are those people who don't. Like Neil Diamond. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got out of that uh, as quick as I could. Yeah. Especially you work for Democrats, you don't make any money. So, and, and you walk the walk because uh, you have ninety percent female involvement in the uh, staff of your of wavelength mm -hmm. correct correct it's joe are you it are you the guy i'm it i'm the only I see guy. It for real i'm the only man yep absolutely but joe speaks great woman he's like <laughs> speaks the whole you language. haven't corrected jennifer yet uh, no. so doesn't mansplain nothing yeah. <laughs> really he knows his place i know how to listen yeah. Yeah. i know how to keep my mouth place. shut and i know how to you know share my opinion and be collaborative so it's you, a, you it's were a around, nice environment. You were around early in it. It sounds like you met at Sundance. Yeah. No, we, we uh, met before. Oh, before Sundance. Yeah, before. before. Sundance, yeah. Uh, we we were doing this couple of films. Joe had other projects in another film company he was working on, and then I don't know. I I love great fucking stories. So <laughs> these films would come along, and and we got involved. I got involved with Matt Turnour and Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood, which I just think is a fantastic documentary, and. You know, so our mission really got started because it would be like, well, what does Jen think? Does Jen like this? And and that's how we got going on a lot of the stuff we're doing. Now it's more uh, collaborative in terms of what we decide to do. But early on, it was just like, I would be like, oh, I love that. Let's get involved or mm, not so much. And we pass. So I mean, uh, you probably work with the women you work with because they're excellent. Well. I, I love working with women, period. Yeah. Uh, I don't dislike working with men. Uh, it's just that... Thank God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I think for for me personally, uh, I just enjoy... We just found women who are qualified and, and are, were excellent to work with, and that's how we got started. Yeah, as I was going to say, they're probably super qualified and, and well, but I didn't know if it was 
like a reactionary move to like being in politics, I can only imagine that's also a superman's game. And you may have come out of that going, not again. Well, I could have, but you know, <laughs> when I, well, truth be told, it is you're sort of having me thinking now. But truth be told, is when I, for example, the when I built the team around my kids' homeschooling program, the majority of pe- people were women, and when I built the program for my son. Uh, which we're doing a film about called How to Be Normal, uh, it was mostly women that we worked with, I worked with. So I think it was just a natural graduation into the film world, and I just started building women around me to work with. So it's what I'm used to, and it's what I love, and, and I think that the industry is really starting to open their eyes and realize there's a lot of talented women out there working in film, and they're working really hard. And, uh, you know, it's not so much that they need an invitation. They need to be, a seat needs to be reserved. And so when we hired our, uh, the last two women that joined us, it was a mandate at that point. Not only are we going to hire women, you know, but we're going to start looking around uh, for uh, women of color, women um, who are uh, excited to make great documentary films. And I don't... I don't think I went and said, find me men. I just said, no. let's find oh, no. women. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the talent can't be ignored once it gets seen. Like when someone like Catherine Bigelow or Nicole Hall of Center, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Right, yeah. Um, so they just need the platform to allow it to be seen, to make it more visible, the work that's being done. Very right. much so. And I came from... Uh, prior to working with Jennifer, working in the television world. And it was very much an old boys club. I mean, it really was. And and people can dispute that all that they want, but that was definitely my experience. <laughs> and, and it was and which, a, which part? Yeah. Uh, like, like where did you work in TV? Like uh, I was well, I started at Court TV. Oh, that's and then right. I, I was there when they transitioned over into True TV, and I'd done a lot of work you know, for various networks. And, and I'd started my own digital agency and worked with a lot of, uh, you know, worked with ESPN and the Discovery Networks and Scripps Networks and... Um, you know, it, it, there it was a lot of white guys at the top, and um, you know, again, it's for us, it's not a mandate, but it is. You know, film is such a collaborative art form, and we have found that women make really great collaborators. There's a lot less of a need to sort of stake your territory and defend it mm-hmm. at all costs uh, mentality, and. Uh, uh, honestly, I just find it really enjoyable. I, li- I like collaborating. I think that that's, uh, that's sort of the heart and the soul of this business. If you can collaborate, work well with others, and that's been our experience. And you had four films at Sundance this year. This yeah. year and last year. And last year. And last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wow, you guys are prolific as well. Yeah, and, and Jen's, uh, Jen's very modest. I mean, she, you know, we we did start out saying, you know, what is Jen like? But Jen has really good taste, <laughs> which is great. You know, that's a really that's a really helpful thing when someone can look at an entire slate of films and choose the two main uh, winners that are going to come out from that slate. And uh, and that's been a little bit of our of our north star for the past couple of years. And we've started to branch out, but you know, you, you mentioned the word mandate. We're not really a mandate-driven company in the sense that we have a, a, a mission to you know, maybe raise awareness about political issues or environmental issues. What our mandate is, is to tell great fucking stories. Right. And, and if that is a political story, awesome. I mean, that was a, that was a big thing with Knock Down the House. You know, we, we saw that story early on, and all four of those women drew us in. 
And we said, all the story of all four of these women needs to be told. It's right. amazing that AOC broke loose and, and rose to the heights that she did. But we were interested in all four of those stories getting out there. And, and that's, again, it's not a mandate, but that's what sort of turns us on and gets us excited. The story of Mr. Rogers, that's a story that has to be told. It has to be seen. Would you consider that a political story? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. even though you're like, we don't do political stories, I think of the, the Mr. Rogers and what he stands for and his story being told in this era, it has a political lean to it 100%. in the fact that it needs to be seen by everybody. Well, and, <laughs> right, exactly. And, and the word that comes to mind in both films is radical. Uh, these were people, Fred Rogers back in the 50s and 60s, took radical steps yeah. to build out a television show for children, but not to entertain them but to connect with them. And that's a, that's a very different space to, in, especially back then in television. And then you have the, the four women in Knock Down the House. They all came to the political arena for various different reasons, but they were all very emotionally uh, attached to these reasons. And, you know, the, and I think that that's the, you know, the word for me again is radical because I think we're entering an era where uh, we can actually women and um, being emotional is actually uh, it's now a um, what's the word I always forget this word but it's a it, it, you know it's important you know we have to get some emotion into the workplace we have to allow people to not be just robots but yeah. you know uh, actually ex express emotions and and be emotional about things and both care all four of the women and Fred Rogers were very connected to that space and uh so that's what drives me in. Not only is it a great story, but the reason behind why they, why we need to tell the story and why people need to see the story is because their stories matter. And that's what I love about women in film is women have great stories to tell. Uh, and for too long, they've been told by men. And, you know, the, some of these movies I see uh, and I think, that's not what women think at all. <laughs> and so to me, it's like, uh, you know, but when women tell it, it's it's so much more fun, it, especially as and a authentic. Woman. And authentic. And it's authentic and it's real. And it's what really women go through and deal with. So You reminded me of, a, you, you saw the film Eighth Grade. Mm -hmm. Oh, a yeah, great film. And I remember great. seeing that when it premiered at Sundance. I was so moved by that film. And, and I thought, God, I don't know what it's like to be a, a, an eighth grade girl. But having seen that film, I feel like I do. And then I heard an interview with Bo Burnham because I, I, I was I was sort of so impressed. I was like, how did Bo Burnham get inside the mind of this this young girl? And then I heard an interview with him on NPR, and he talked about how his wife read all of the scenes and would give him notes and help him out with it. And I thought that's <laughs> that's it because because I don't I can't write that no. you know I can't right. write that perspective. But clearly there was a woman dri helping drive that that train and I thought that was a really sort of it, it was it was impressive of him to give her as much credit as he did but it was also uh sort of made a lot of sense I didn't feel as bad that I didn't know what it was like to be an eighth grade girl yeah that's a that's a great <laughs> obviously that that workflow yeah. yielded great rewards right, and also right. filtering it through that great actress Elsie Fisher who oh, was fantastic. fantastic but you had to you had to feel or uh, relate to Josh Hamilton of the, the father yeah, oh, and that absolutely. though right so you really like, I don't know how absolutely. women talk but that guy we don't get enough Josh Hamilton. No, he was no. fantastic. Yeah. He was um, fantastic. That role. I, I'd like to see a, a Hamilton Sans. Is that what yeah. it would be? McConaughey or whatever. We get a Hamilton Sans. <laughs> Hamilton Sans. I would like to see him uh, do more. Every dad. You can play every dad. He should. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. And uh, so then 
at Sundance? Did you sell Won't You Be My Neighbor last year and then knock down the house this year? No, Won't You Be My Neighbor, yeah, it premiered the year before, and it was already sold to Focus by the time oh, it was nice. at Sundance. Uh, and knocked down the house, uh, you know, the Netflix deal happened right after they premiered the film. So do you get... Uh, Wine to dine? How's that all work? I don't even know how those sales are made. Is it literally like at a party over a handle of a meet tomorrow, sign the papers? <laughs> it's a lot it less interesting than anybody realizes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also had our film, uh, Where's My Red Cone, sold to Sony Pictures Classics yeah, at Sundance yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. But no, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of phone calls and a lot of uh, hushed conversations and, you know. It's all, it's all kind of frenetic. got to feel great, though, to, like, uh, to get the initial yeah, feedback. I mean, do you get, that's absolutely. what I'm saying. Do you have, is it over? And you're like, <laughs> and then anybody? Or is there an immediate reaction and you feel fulfilled? Well, you know what's interesting is there's two things that happen as a, that I'm learning as a filmmaker when you have a film premiere is, A, you want the, you want the audience reaction. That's always important. Yeah. And then you want to know how many buyers are in the audience and what did they think. And so it's... You know, and we're we're just coming into this part of the business. So, won't you be my neighbor? Knock down the house. Where's my Roy Cohn? Um, you know, Infiltrators was another film of ours. Uh, Night comes on was Jordana Spiro was her first acting. And that's a narrative, right? That's yes. a narrative yeah, film, yeah. and that premiered film. a couple years ago. And just going through uh, the process with the filmmakers about. Again, premiering, uh, selling, who's going to buy, how do you do all this distribution stuff anyway, has been an enormous learning experience. And, and so yeah, we're we happening ha- quickly. Happening quickly. <laughs> and yeah, we've been around for three years yeah. now, four years. Um, but the other thing, too, for us is we have some of our own original content coming out. And we have four films right now that we're working to hopefully get out 2019, 2020. And so it's just. I see a lot of the work we do, and I go back to your other comment, which is one of the things that we've done a lot of work on in the last three years is building great relationships with people, uh, production companies, directors, producers. You know, we'll go talk to anybody anytime. And uh, we've through that process, too, we've been able to sort through and build some really nice relationships with some production companies that we really like and some directors and people. So we... we that I don't think people understand as much about making movies is a lot of it is the relationships you build, the people you know. Uh, you know, y- yes, you need a great story, but you also need a great network uh, to get your story told. And I think we've done an amazing job at just quietly going about uh, meeting as many people as possible. Yeah, the amount of material entering the marketplace right now is astronomical. I mean, it's been as high as it's ever been. And so those relationships, those partnerships, friendships in a lot of cases for us um it just you know it's invaluable moving forward because it seems like everything i get involved with becomes super saturated as soon as i get involved with it. i'm gonna do improv and then whose line is it anyway come at the and everybody does it yeah, yeah. yeah i'm so gonna true. make short movies and then like we cut from three thousand dollars with a film stock yeah. to a four dollar mini dv tape yeah. and then everybody made movies well, i'm a, gonna podcast and then everybody so you, it takes a lot to rise to the top and i'm not surprised that networking is part of it and you guys don't even live here right right but no. for anyone right. who wants to move la it's the hard reality yeah it's who you know it's got it is you know we come out for a week at a time and we're wall to wall the entire week and we just make it that way because we want to make sure we meet and talk to as many people as possible and you know pitching projects and they pitch us and um so it's actually a lot of fun yeah yeah 
really fun. I appreciate being on that wall. Yeah. There was, there was room <laughs> yeah, to come by awesome. and say hello. All right, so let's talk about, uh, oh, so based, one last question about the, the company overall. So uh, poopy fart jokes, movies, explosions, movies, they're just out, right? They're, you're not going to make them? We haven't had yeah. one yet. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. If you find one that catches our eye, right. we might, you know, we might consider it. My son said if he could have directed, um, uh, oh, gosh, what was that? Um, <laughs> the kid in the diaper. Uh, I just lost his name. Uh, cut this one out till I can remember. Um, oh, my, it was my favorite thing. I've just completely lost it. Oh, uh, no, what movie? You know, oh, oh, Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants. Uh, he said. No, I have to leave the struggle to get Captain Underpants <laughs> in the show. <laughs> I can't believe I can't remember that because I read every Captain Underpants book to him. <laughs> and, um, he would have. He said, if I could have directed Captain Underpants, I would. My life would be complete. Um, well, there are so a bunch there of books. Could be, so there's, there's a, a bunch of books. There's more movies. So he, possible. we could it's run possible. into a, a good fart uh, joke. Is we never, never say no. Lost. We never say no. We yeah. never know. Yeah. No, we did start out with a very interesting <clears throat> kind of poetic and, and appropriate mandate, you know, that we were, that we were interested in films of and, hope and yeah. conversation. Really, when it came down to it, though, we're like, we just want to tell great fucking stories. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That won't get tired. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so let's talk about Knock Down the House then, because it's available right now. Sometimes people come on here and plug up whatever movie that's going to mm-hmm. open. But right now and for a while, Knock Down the House has been out there. It's the stories of four, a story of four women running for Congress in the 2018 elections, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York and uh, Corey Bush of Missouri, Paula Jean Swearingen, my personal favorite from yeah. West Virginia, <laughs> and Amy Valella, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, in Nevada. Uh, and it's about what... Alex AOC now, as they call her, has uh, said in the film, this is about electing us to Congress, like us, the people, mm-hmm. right. not the next right. guy who's, you know, oh man, this uh, Joe Crowley, who she ran against. So much to say. But first of all, I find it fascinating that the whole movie is about them running against the Democratic incumbents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this mm-hmm. isn't even the struggle to take Absolutely. down the Republican regime. That's right. You know, the, the, she, they're just trying to make a stake in the party. Right. And this Joe Crowley is such a smarmeister. I mean, God, the, the condescension oozing out of the guy. I don't even yeah. think he knows he's doing it. It's yeah. just, it's just the career. The smugness was what I found. Yeah, right. he just he, there was never a moment on his face where he considered that he might lose. Right, which was so great for the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you really need. You, you don't have you know the AOC without the Joe Crowley to a certain extent. Right. And uh, that's right. who really, she ran against. For yeah, and he played that part. To the hilt, and, and it's almost <laughs> As if it was an actor. It's yeah. almost yeah, it's almost <laughs> incredible that it's a documentary. You think this guy can't be this tone deaf, can he? He does know there's cameras, right? Well, I my experience is, especially having worked in politics, is old white men have hearing problems like you can't believe. <laughs> Understanding problems, they can't. They're just. They got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, old white man. It's just those shots of Congress of just an old white-haired yeah. sea uh, of uh, uh, you know that picture they showed of the guy, the Alabama uh, Senate yes. that voted for the uh, yeah, a- anti-abortion yeah. laws. All old white men. Yeah. I mean, there's still too many, in my opinion. But you know, hopefully, time will take care of that. Well, let's listen to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Is a quick clip from Knock Down the House. If I was a rational person, I would have dropped out of this race a long time ago. Crowley hasn't had a primary challenger in 14 years. He's taken $3 million per cycle. He's going to tell me I'm small, that I'm young, that I'm inexperienced. I'm running because everyday Americans deserve to be represented by everyday Americans. So supposedly, uh, I want to get the name right here, um, Rachel Lears, yep. mm-hmm. who made the film, started making it, uh, actually 
full full credit, Rachel Lears and Robin Blotnick, because between right, the two yeah, of them, right. that's how the film was written, shot, edited, and directed. Pretty yeah. major roles yeah. handed out to these two uh, ladies. Right. Uh, Robin's a lady, too, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So they Rachel started the day after Trump was elected to start making this film. Yeah. How did... And then you came in when? We actually, uh, like Joe said, we didn't know about the film not that long after. Uh, I would say probably a year later. Yeah. Uh, Probably early. Yeah, it, was pretty, it was early 2017. Yeah. I think we first heard about early, it. Early, early on. Uh, the way the film was originally going to happen uh, was a time. They were on a timeline of having the film come out in 2020, uh, and you know we had talked to them about you know you might want to think about it, co- it coming out earlier than that, especially if AOC wins, and so that's what they did, which, which was great. So we actually didn't hear back about it until it was going to Sundance. Mm. Uh, it was also a um, fully granted film, so you know it's it's one of those spaces as a as a producer we're finding that sometimes you want to get in on those films, sometimes not. It just depends because you just never know if they're actually going to get made. So we were really excited to hear that they were going to Sundance. So yeah, so we got right in. And so uh, Acacio Cortez was already the main subject of the film well before you guys got in. Tons of it was shot. So how did Robin know that she was a slam dunk? narrative i'm sorry documentary lead subject because she's i mean i don't think she know i, I don't think I don't she, think she just she was a slam women, dunk. Or yeah, she, right. she was focusing on four women from f- different four. backgrounds with different yeah, i guess that question was more like how did she know that i mean how, right like more like in the mystical world of yeah she just nailed picked the right person to, to be the and the, that's the beauty of documentary yeah. film sometimes you're standing in the right place at the right time yeah. you know honestly i don't know that a lot of people believed aoc could beat joe crowley until she did. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was, you know, she was not ahead in the polls, you know, for, you know, for most of that campaign. Uh, and the, the focus of the story, as Joe said, is it was on all four women. And mm-hmm. uh, the thing, the one thing that I love about this film, not it's a great film and I love AOC, but they really, all four of the women worked together. I mean, there's this great story that's not in the film where one of the women fell ill and she couldn't canvas over a weekend so aoc flew down flew down and i can't remember which one it was i but thought it was amy valella i thought it was amy too uh she flew down and canvassed for the weekend for her so all four women were in contact with each other helping support each other uh so that's the piece that i love the most about the film because honestly as even as women filmmakers and people out in the world women have to start supporting women and we have to be each other's advocates. Uh, you know, I think for a long time in the white man's world, it was about competing for attention. And now I think it's about supporting each other as we go full steam ahead. Uh, so that's, for me, that's the most exciting thing about this film. And there are political action networks that they were part of, mm-hmm. represented in the film right. that I forget their names. Correct. Uh, I don't remember There's a couple that. different ones. <laughs> yeah. there, there yeah. a couple actually a, well, you'll have to watch the There's movie. somebody <laughs> actually right. doing a documentary about one of those organizations, yeah. okay. and I can't yeah. remember That what helped called. them come together as well. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll see there's a shot where they're all wearing the purple T-shirts yeah. together. Yeah, right. The yeah. something or something other. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're, but they're <laughs> amazing grassroots organizations, and they're out there, you know, looking at, at the grassroots level to find what AOC just described as, you know, everyday people to start representing everyday people, and that's... You know, I think that's going to be a powerful message going forward in the political arena. I think Nevada, Missouri, and uh, 
West Virginia, where the other women ran, right. are tougher to turn. Oh, yeah. Because all four of these women uh, ran on not being uh, candid. Like the problem with I think a lot of people had with Hillary was just how polished she was, how measured, and and she yeah. might as well have been a guy. Yeah. The way the way she reacted to a lot of the the situations that she was dealt with uh, in her campaign. These women ran on vulnerability, mm-hmm. I thought, and that's a powerful, powerful stance to take and a risky one. And I think New York was probably most open to receiving that, and that's why she won. And uh, hopefully the women stay with it and turn the other states as well. I think the other two of the three are running again for 2020, I believe. Yeah, I, don't I think know Barbara Jean is, and, and I think Amy is. Amy is, yeah. yeah. I think they're they're running again. And you bring up an interesting point about Hillary. I, I would say that, you know, for a long time, I think, for a woman to succeed in a man's world, they had to adopt the persona and the behaviors and the attitudes of men. Yeah, there's, that's and addressed that, in the film, and, too. And, like, you have to be this way, you have yeah, to be that and way. And Hillary was, a, you know, part of, I don't, bl- I don't fault Hillary for that. Hillary was doing what she had to do to survive in that environment. Right. What I love about these women is that that's not what they're doing. They're not trying to be men. And they don't care. That's right. Yeah. Oh, They're leading. I remember the word. Um, they bring emotional capital to, mm. and now it's it's a it's a uh, it's a superpower. It's not so much considered a, a, a weakness yeah. or a, a liability. So that's again, you mentioned vulnerability, emotions. They ran for these offices because you know one was concerned about all the cancer that was you know happening in her in her town. Another one, her daughter died because she didn't have health care. I, I mean, this these are yeah. just. These are just, you know, very soul-wrenching stories, and, and not unusual. Not yeah. unusual. Yeah, I mean, that's and, the really hard. And thing. then to to turn that into something like, listen, I'm going to run for office against all odds. You know, again, in those states, you know, AOC in New York, uh, in in a in a Queens, she did have a better shot at a old timer like Joe Crowley. And you're right; these other women are climbing up a pretty steep mountain. So I just. It, it, it gets me goosebumps, actually, to think about that they're still out there running and, and uh, given all the uh, the trauma in their lives. So it's very, it's very inspiring. And uh, you, everyone knows uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won, so it's not a big surprise. So to talk about that scene, but when she does in the, the bowling alley scene where they're all watching her victories, one of the more emotional and exciting scenes you're going to get uh, you Ever. know, more if so than cry, even a narrative film. Yeah. You if know, you don't cry, you're not a person. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's good to know I'm a yeah. person. Or, or you're a Republican. <laughs> or you're a Republican. <laughs> yeah. But then you're crying for a very different reason. <laughs> and then that film is followed by the emotional uh, drive home, you know, of uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the emotional point of everything and why right. she ran is driven home at right. their her arrival at the Capitol. Just, so awesome. It's, it's, it's outstanding. It's a very inspiring film. Yeah, it's Netflix right now. Um, go check it out. And 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, incredible. Oh, I mean, 70 critics, too. Yeah. So it's not like uh, two people chimed in. At least 70 critics. Yep. Yeah. And 100%. Yeah, that's, that's great. No, that's it was rare. very exciting, too, to be a part of a, a film that really is a cultural milestone. Um, right. and, and, you know, obviously we've had a, a handful of films now at this point that we've been able to sort of ride from the beginning to the distribution part. And, uh, you know, some of them do better than others. But this one really sort of set the the bar for um you know as far as a film and its impact on the entire social landscape political landscape this is this is a film that'll be talked about for a very long time so it was very exciting to sort of see it come together and you know know that we were talking to rachel and robin before anybody had any idea what this film would become right 
It was, it was, it was a fun ride. The other thing, too, I was, and I, I've gotten in trouble with some of my Democratic friends uh, <laughs> for saying this. It, it, and I, I said this before 2018 happened. I'd say to people, you know, if there can be a silver lining to our current president's uh, behavior and that he's even our president. I would love to know what that is. Yeah. Is, and I said this in 2017, and, I, and it, I feel like it came true in 2018, is now, and we can't prove it, if Hillary had been president, would as many women who ran in 2018 would be the same. But for me, Donald Trump really inspired people to get up off the sofa and get involved politically. And the number of women, especially women of color, who took a radical step out and uh, and ran for office and voted. I mean, the women Agreed, in Alabama yeah. are some yeah. of my heroes because they made sure that that horrible Roy Moore, uh, is that what's his name? Yeah, <laughs> who wants to, he's who running, wants to again. run again. He's running I know, but didn't win. You Let's know? go, ladies. It, it, so <laughs> it's really it's really girl power at, at its finest. And so that's can we say that's the silver lining of Donald Trump? Maybe well, maybe not. The, but it, it does kind of feel like. We got to wake up and in women, and we've got to get out and run, and we've got to be active. Uh, it's and, and only the, they didn't take the Senate. That's the win, though, because some people will say well, we didn't right. win because right. we didn't take the Senate. But that's the win the that win we had is, in 2018. Exactly, and there's going to be more in 2020. You watch. <laughs> the, this is now a thing: women running for office, and you watch in 2020. I think it was something like two. Maybe two years before, it was like 60 women ran for office. And in 2018, it was 240, right, I think. Right. And I think it's only going to get higher from there. And not, just, not so. just for Congress and Senate, but at the, at the state levels, at the county levels, at the township levels. You're seeing more and more women taking over these leadership positions. And it's got to happen. And if you're wondering if you'll like it, it won the... Audience award, yeah, yes. Sundance, that's right. So sure. people yes. like it. It's not just a political. People uh, no, say it's, it's approved. Like it. It's it's a people around. movie. Yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. No, like I you said. will rah rah rah. Yeah, and or again, you're dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about "Won't <laughs> You Be My Neighbor" then. Uh, the other film on your slate that I was a big fan of. Um, first of all, let's just say where was the Oscar nomination? And, uh, you got to probably keep mom on this, so I'm just going to say it for you. Where was the Oscar nomination? Unfair. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was not. It was received. an interesting week. Watching watching those five <laughs> movies come up, all you know, very uh, well qualified for the Oscar nods they got, uh, but not. Seeing, I was like, it didn't get nominated. Like it. it it was shocking. Free Solo was excellent. Free, they, I mean, yeah. uh, all of yeah. them. I think it's the only one I saw. Yeah. yeah. But no. um, they're all great. I mean, you know, we know personally how what it takes to make a documentary film. So to me, you get that far with your film uh, <laughs> in any kind of uh, space. I, you know, I yeah, plot. All, I plot bravo. all of them. Well, if you haven't seen, uh, which be my neighbor, it is a story of uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and his uh, entire. Uh, more or less his entire career and, and what he stood for. And, and mainly, it shows you that he was legit. The guy you saw on TV was Fred Rogers. Not that you ever thought maybe he wasn't, but oh, it's oh, amazing. Oh, 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 you'd be surprised. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. How many people said to me before this film oh, yeah. came out, please tell me he's not a creeper. 
I really uh, need, I can't deal with another. I remember like, when you, yeah, call, you called go. me and you were like, I'm going to get involved in this. Won't you be my neighbor? And I was <laughs> you like, said, please tell me, was it? <laughs> please <laughs> don't, don't take that away They're still me. going, are we really getting involved? I was like, this year Morgan has been said, so bad already. Morgan said that was the number one question uh, wow. when, when he found, they found out he was making this film. Yeah. Because to me, it's not so much that, you know, I'm shocked that he doesn't have a CD underbelly, but I'm shocked that a movie about someone without one Correct. could be as successful as yeah. it was. Yeah, and yeah, in fact, it's really the inverse point. of yeah. that. Not only did he not have a CD underbelly, but he was he was sort of surrounded by goodness in a way that uh, you just don't really encounter it like that. I, I mean, to me, and and to see it proven in the film uh, was was really uh, you know very very moving to realize that this guy really believed what he said and he really practiced what he preached and he and he did it his whole life. It's remarkable. You know, the opening scene of Fred Rogers at the piano and he's playing with these chords, right? Um, it, there's a reason why that was the opening scene because it sets the stage for what he was all about. And he was very, like everything he thought about he thought of how would a child feel in in this situation. So he that opening scene when he talks about um, moving from uh, I think it was F yeah one chord to F sharp, and how that's a harder chord. And so he talked about modulation and how children have a hard time modulating in certain situations. So that's that and that's what the show is about. And I mean, literally the first week was about the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. And and, the, and then he did divorce and death. And I mean, he tackled some race. tough race. Big time. Tackled yeah. some really big Politics. issues and yeah. through the eyes of a child. And and I, that's what he was, ra that's why they said it was radical, what he was doing. I mean, it's still radical today. It you is. Know, to the idea of creating something on television that isn't designed to sell something to your children right. <laughs> is revolutionary still yeah. still and and it's and it's all geared towards making these children into consumers and to have someone come in and say no this medium is actually a way to connect with and help children people are like you're out of your mind what are you talking about you can't waste that precious you know bandwidth on the spectrum to broadcast we could sell millions of widgets mm -hmm. to these children get out of here right you know and here's this guy quietly quietly toiling away in pittsburgh public television making this film that you know essentially again it's like a it's a cultural milestone i mean mr rogers neighborhood is deeply embedded in the in the psyche of of people my age who grew up with that program and um yeah and as you say it's a time capsule not just of him yeah but of the era yeah, that he was living in, and we could use more of. Yeah, today. And yeah. I remember when Jen actually got involved in that project, and we both thought fairly confidently, "Well, that's a that's a great story that has to be told." And that's uh, Mr. Rogers is obviously a, an engaging person, but we never sort of realized how the timing of the film was going to resonate and affect it so tremendously because we knew it would do well. We didn't know it would do as well as it did. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that it came out when it did. Is it the highest grossing? Uh, uh, Biodoc of all time. Yeah. Biodoc, that's yeah. right. Okay, yeah. Biodoc, yeah. 
So Michael Morris probably got you beat with his uh, right. antics. Yeah. Right. Antic docs yeah. Yeah, probably make more money. Yeah. <laughs> but for Biodoc, no, that's great. That's right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, congrats. No, it's yeah. great. Uh, and the other thing, too, is, uh, is we started to touch on the impact. You know, I could tell you. I, I read I read a story about the Fred Rogers film, um, the show he did. I read a story in Life magazine, like again, 150 years ago when it was still <laughs> around, about a young boy who was in a hor- I mean, lived in a horribly abusive situation. Um, but while the his abusers, whether his parents and family uh, people, were asleep in the mornings, he would watch. Won't you be my neighbor? And no, or it was called Mr. Rogers' Mr. Neighborhood, Rogers right? Neighborhood. right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so many names of this <laughs> yeah. show. Um, anyway, m- he would watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and he he was interviewed by Life Magazine, and talked about the fact that that was the show that saved his life, because he, he, there was Fred Rogers saying, "I like you just the way you are," and that's what carried him through to get out of this abusive situation as a young teen, and then to go on and do something in his life. Wow. And wow, never yeah, heard he could that story. Just, yeah, so from a long time, I loved Life magazine. I that was is very a great sad story. It didn't, yeah, but the, and and that's one of hmm. so many. Yeah. And yeah. and I would get I got a uh, a text one night from a friend of mine who uh, whose friends had just lost their daughter. She was twenty four and died in a car accident, and they had the whole family over to just have a movie night and just you know try to help them through this horrible situation. And so they watched Won't You Be My Neighbor? And she texted me. She's like, okay, so we're all crying. <laughs> and it's a good cry. Like, I think this has been a very important film for my my friend and her family to try to start to heal a little bit. And, uh, and it's endless. And it's just devoid of cynicism. It's, yeah. There's nothing like it. So it's, it's like, like him right. or, it, you know, and that's the things right. attached to him oh, and this people, film that's come out of him. People, when they, when I say, oh, I was involved with the, Won't You Be My Neighbor? They literally look at me and start to cry. They're like, you have no idea what impact that film had on me. And I'm like, I, I think I do a little bit because I know how it impacted me, but you and 10,000 other people that I've spoken to. I mean, it's just, uh, as, you know, Joe said, it's, it's, a, it's a film that is like no other. Can you watch old shows? Can you watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? I mean, probably you can on YouTube. You find them on YouTube, yeah. mostly. Yeah, yeah I but think, yeah. Uh, and then every so often, I think they rebroadcast some every so often. Yeah. I can't. On I PBS? can't remember. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I think they were on. Um, were they on iTunes for a bit? Someone was telling me because I wanted my son to watch them. I really did. My son is uh, he's a very sensitive kid, and and he watches a lot of shows that are, you know, trying to sell him stuff, and. Um, he watched a, a Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood once. I, I can't remember where I found it. And it, it really impacted him. I mean, he just sat down and watched the whole show. And it was just very, it was a very calm experience as opposed to, you know, laugh tracks and explosions and, um, you know, superheroes. Like we went to see the Avengers Endgame, which is, you know, nothing against Marvel. I love these films, but I felt like I had PTSD when I came out of the theater. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. A lot goes on in that. A lot yeah. goes on I've in that. I've never seen so many people get punched in the face or have their <laughs> limbs hewn from their body oh, before. I, yeah. I don't watch those movies. Oh, no. <laughs> that movie sets up a plot for itself that there's no way they should pull off, and somehow yeah. the movie's crazy. And I love the Russos. I mean, it's, it's a great franchise, yeah. but, but it's a very different no, experience. No, I know. Those movies that. have 
become more adult as they've gone along. Yeah, yeah. You could watch Iron Man and yeah. and be like, I'm having fun. And then by end game, you're like, I'm emotionally spent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I would bet scarred for life. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would be. I always say if it can't be shown on the Weather Channel, then I can't watch it. I'm going to make a rare comparison of Won't You Be My Neighbor and Marvel. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, back when The Dark Knight actually came out, Gary Oldman, such a good actor, yeah. made goodness watchable. That's his character as Commissioner Gordon. Sure. He's nothing but yeah. good. Truth, right. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, not. Yeah. He has no. He has no like. Oh, we're worried about Gordon. He's going to go off the edge. He's not Riggs in any way. Yeah. He's just good. Captain America, same thing. Always good. Always doing the right thing. I could do this all day. Makes the right choices. Will not stop fighting. He's just right and good. And. I can't believe they pulled off those characters on TV because right. they should, or on, in the movies because yeah. they shouldn't. Right. They should be, right. they should be difficult and then just fail. And Captain America movies have failed in the past. And again, Morgan Neville makes goodness watchable with uh, uh, with what you be my neighbor. Well, yeah. and, and it's hard. A lot of his movies are that way. You know, the music of strangers that he did about Yo Yo Ma is one of my favorite films of all time, mm. and uh, and. Best of Enemies is a remarkable yeah, documentary. Yeah. Uh, so I, is that I've the Plimpton one. Oh, who is uh, Best of Enemies was the uh, was the sixty eight uh, Democratic uh, convention um, debates that went on between William F. Buckley and Buckley and uh, yeah, not George Plimpton and um, no, that's wrong. Uh, my old, the other guy. My old lady wine-soaked <laughs> brain is just yeah. not working today. My, my non-wine-soaked brain <laughs> is not working today. Um, and oh, all the same. people in that political action uh, yeah, group we were talking right. about. All the people that's who right. we can't remember, right. they were in this movie. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Matt's... Re- I, 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 not William Sapphire. It's, um, no, no, it was... Um, William F. Buckley called him a queer right on uh, one of the debates. Yeah, no, uh, Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. You know, that guy that we couldn't remember. <laughs> well, one of the most famous authors of all time. Yeah, exactly. That guy. <laughs> that guy. Um, anyway, that, that's but that's a, a brilliant movie. And then, of course, 20 Feet from Stardom. You know, again, it's... Uh, he makes goodness into films that are, you know, also entertaining. And that's what we find a lot when we're thinking about even the the films we're doing is we're realizing is in the documentary space, there's a really important place for the story for sure. But it's also got to be entertaining. You know, it, it, we kind of as an audience demand that now. Uh, you know, the the... Ken Burns does amazing documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. And they're 10 hours, and you got to be really committed mm-hmm. to that story, right? Uh, and uh, I think that uh, there's nothing wrong with having telling a great and very important story and also being able to tell it in a way that's entertaining. And yeah. not entertaining in a, like a, you know, oh, yeah. like you a Marvel it? way, oh, but yeah. entertaining in terms of it captures your attention, and there's, there's ways to do these docs now you know, we're working on music scores. You know, uh, one of them we're doing some really fabulous animation. So there's there's uh, there's a lot of fun we're having with telling these stories. It's hard as for well. a doc to get made nowadays without animation. Just yeah. side note: yeah. every documentary yeah. I see has some yeah. kind of animation. I watched "Won't You Be My Neighbor." I'm like, oh, there's the animation. Of course, yeah. that animation is just Amazing. so heartbreaking because right. it, you see how why yeah. that story is told and everything. Later. But there's a right. sea change in the doc world that Jennifer is highlighting that I think is really important for people to to realize is happening because for a long time doc films were were sort of the the world of the journalist and the social activist 
And now that they've found their audience and people are really, really drawn to this stuff, it's not that there's no room for the social activism. It's not that there's no room for the journalism. In fact, that stuff is as important as ever. But you're now able to bring all of the assets of, of real movie making and filmmaking to bear. And for a long time, you couldn't. They just didn't have the budgets to do it. Right. Now the budgets are starting to come up and people are able to bring in things like animation, which is extremely or expensive. Great or editing, great editing. Great editors, know, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, so. So you can make a film that's that's important and engaging at the same time. Has a documentary ever been nominated for Best Editing at the Oscars? I was. I'd like to see that. Good question. Yeah. Good question. I'm thinking it is. I know. I actually was thinking that um, when, and so this is I mean, if sort nothing of how else, my brain works. It, if nothing else, it should win for most editing. Yeah. Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> most time in the edit. You should win an award for how many years you're in an edit. Yeah. If you go over a year, you you qualify. Um, one of the things that did go through my mind when we were watching the Oscar nominations this last year is when Won't You Be My Neighbor was not nominated in the doc category, I turned to my husband and said, wouldn't it be something if it got nominated for Best Picture? Mm. <laughs> like, right. have a doc right. nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. That didn't happen, obviously. Well, you know what? That's the, ever since well, foreign film's been a category for a long time, but ever since animated came along, don't expect either of those to, to win Best Picture. No. It just seems no. like you can relegate. Roma made a run at it, yeah. I think. But, but then it won foreign, and yeah. he kind of went, that's probably not going to win Best yeah. Picture. You right. know, So they, they kind of relegate those, yeah. those uh, genres to their category. Right. All right, well, let's uh, wrap things up with the question I ask everybody who comes on the show. What is your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> <laughs> Let the struggle begin. Well, uh, so here's <laughs> there's a qualifier. Yeah. Is it the movie you've watched the most times? Sure. Or is it like your favorite movie, but you just haven't watched it three or four million times? Sure. Okay, either. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's the thing. Some people this. say it's the movie I've watched the most. Some people say that for me, it's a movie I think I've been with the longest that I loved. And it just, I can't, like Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, right. great. I don't care. I'm going to watch film. it. I'm watching it at the Arrow next Important week. I, I get to watch that in the theater because I live in LA every year. And yeah. I do. And it's, I think, 37 years or whatever now it's been with me. So I, now, by now, it's, yeah, nothing's going to unseat it just due to time. It also happens to be excellent and achieves 100% excellence yeah. on every front from yeah. story to acting to locations and shooting and, you know. Uh, so some people say if it's on, I'm in for an hour, whether I'm doing something else or not. Yeah. Some people say, you know, I, I, you come up with your own. Why? And then uh, pick a winner. And you know what? Tomorrow it could be something different. No, yeah. No, well, mine is hands down. Uh, my kids, if I said anything other, they'd be like, Mom, you totally made shit up, uh, <laughs> is Pride and Prejudice. And it's the version recently. The Joe Wright one? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so, I haven't seen that one. Oh, my God. I've watched it <laughs> now. so often that I can quote it. And I also watch it now where there's some scenes I don't particularly care for, so I just go through those and get to the scenes I like. So <laughs> it's good. sort of my that means you it's my it a lot. it's my blanket film because mm. it's like you know it, Cozy. When, when I just get up there and look at all the films to watch, I go, oh, I'm just going to put Pride and Prejudice on. <laughs> what year was that made? Two thousand and six, six maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because it wasn't and, that. And, and I think too, oh, you get a movie that, like you said, you've been with Raiders of the Lost Ark for thirty seven years. You get a movie that sort 38. of thirty eight. 38? Yeah. Oof. Um, so you're 41? Me? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> what she said. Yeah, what she said. Uh, yeah, I watched, started watching Pride and Prejudice when I was 10. 
not really. There you go. Not really. Um, no, but I think there's also... Uh, You've already referenced things happened 150 years ago for you a couple of times. Truth, so. I know. So number uh, math is not my thing. Uh, Trip to the Moon is my favorite movie. It's out in the theater. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the things, too, the movie really hits you at a time in your life. Maybe you're struggling with something or maybe it. there's just something about it that speaks to you given what you're going through and I think when that movie came out you know uh again I told you the story my kids uh they were getting older and they were kind of running their own lives at this point and uh you as a mother there's a period of time you go through which you're, you're realizing you're not needed as much and a lot of moms who've gone through this will know you know it might not sound like it can be a dark time but it, it's 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 like yeah, it's, you're kind of struggling for your identity a little bit. Uh, and that film came along and it just, Elizabeth Bennett being the powerful, you know, person she was at a time when women were just looked at to be married off, you know, in, you know, especially to someone with money, that she really, you know, stood for her principles. And I, I just, I always found her character to be the, the uh, one most intriguing for me. Uh, so... I gotta watch it now. That's a great, yeah. What a see. Yeah, he's sitting here struggling about. I don't know how to choose him. That's a great way to choose the best. Yeah, uh, so I, yeah, I was, oh, I was laughing because you were saying, you know, it's best editing, best directing, best script, and I was like, well, Joe Wright's not, no slouch. Though. He's no, yeah. he's no slouch. Yeah. But I wouldn't nominate it for any of those. <laughs> now, my wife would have a problem of switching to Matthew McFadden oh. from Colin Firth. On the well, TV show, the BBC series, she's sure, yes. uh, my wife's in love with Colin Firth, and yes. I don't think she can make that leap. Yeah. I think she saw Pride and Prejudice, but doesn't talk about it as much. She talks about the TV show. Mm. Well, you know, it, I I'm a hundred percent, but I felt like, and I know a lot of people don't love Kira Knightley. I don't, I wouldn't put her as the best actress in the world, but I do think that that role was really made for her, and I liked her Elizabeth Bennett better than I liked. The mm. famous actress who played Elizabeth Bennett, whose name now I don't know. Um, Gore Vidal. No, Gore, <laughs> no, she's actually a Tony-winning uh, uh, stage actress. She's, oh, okay. she's super famous, but she was really young then when she did this film. And um, anyway, so I, I had access to all that information on a computer. But right. I, I, exactly. Only there, oh, wait. A, wait. only there was a website I could <laughs> type things like, into. We we have all the knowledge <laughs> we need right here in our hands. Uh, the um, Matthew McFadden, though. Is in that film is actually quite nice to look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's true. You're so not going to put go, a you know yeah. a, a chump you know. in the when Mark he walks Darcy across role. that grass towards Elizabeth Bennett. I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'll be done in that situation. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't have. I'm come, definitely going to watch. They it. didn't have him come out of the lake like Colin Firth because no. that's tough to tough to uh, top. Although, aside from, I was just thinking, what is my other favorite film? My other favorite film is The Birdcage. Ah, that's playing it here uh, in an the, outdoor screen. Just, is it really? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Saturday. Lane, if you're around on Saturday. It's a great film. It's a great film. Yeah. If you're on but on that's Saturday. another film, too. There's certain scenes I'm like, don't love that scene, so I just fast forward through. But, but um, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorites. And my wife and I like anything, any scene in that with Hank Azaria. Any scene. <laughs> any scene with Hank yes. Azaria is fat. I mean, my daughter and I quote that film constantly. Yeah. Joe? That's a good one. My favorite film all time is Vertigo. Ooh, yeah, okay. An old classic, I but need I think to see it's that the, again. That I, I love that film because it's the most for me per, perfect cinematic experience. I feel like I've been completely transported to another time, another place, another experience. I completely disconnect from reality um, when I watch it, and uh, very few films have ever had that sort of impact on me. So 
One of the more complex Hitchcock movies, yeah. I think. And yeah. I, so much, though, I saw it too young. I need to watch it again. I need to watch Chinatown again, Network. Chinatown, oh, my God. And all, and all these. Yes. They were, I watched them because yeah. I really yeah, got into film, film early, and yeah. I was like, even when I was two and saw Raiders yeah. in the theater. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to, to like catch up on a whole bunch of good stuff, and I think yeah. it just all went over my head, and I need to revisit it again. Even, in but the, Vertigo even the one color of, those. of the film in Vertigo, I think, was is really fascinating, actually. It's one of those things where it's not quite right. It's not quite natural. But somehow it's very evocative for me anyway, and 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 really draws me into it. So I I feel like as a as like a cinematic movie going experience, and I had a chance thankfully to see it on a big screen once, and I was just totally transported by the movie, which I and Hanks is our Jimmy Stewart, right? That's the closest yeah. we got. Yeah, yeah, right. I think because Stewart could play anything. Yeah, he could play anything. <laughs> That's right. He played villain. He and played he was western. Always he was the played... same guy, but you never got but, tired. Yeah, but authentic never. in it. <laughs> And never you know, you're like, I don't care. It's Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. I watch it. As soon as Hanks played uh, Han Ratty in yeah. Catch Me If You Can, and yeah. then the guy in Road to Perdition in the same year, I went, this guy. I mean, I already knew he could do anything. That was like, you know. When he played the captain of that 20 years boat in that movie. And I was like, yeah, it works for me, too. And he, yeah. No Oscar for that. Yeah. No, not even a nomination for that. He was amazing. In that. But yeah. all right. So Vertigo and uh, Pride and Prejudice. Put them on your list to watch if you have not. And... Especially if you're <laughs> really depressed and having a yeah. tough time in your life. Have yourself an Austin fest. <laughs> if you're convi- considering suicide, Make sure watch Vertigo. You watch Pride and Prejudice with a lot of wine. <laughs> I mean, twist the audience's yeah, arm. Yeah, exactly. That's so, my yeah, favorite way to watch that film. Uh, all right, so uh, that wraps another uh, TMG interview, everybody. Any other plug? What are we plugging? Uh, where do we find wavelengthproductions.com? Wavelength Productions, right? and make sure you check out Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood on iTunes. iTunes. Phenomenal yep. film. Obviously, we talked about Knock Down the House, and Won't You Be My Neighbor? That's right, the whole slate. And then the, the Infiltrators looked like it had an interesting premise. I want to watch that. Yeah, yeah fantastic yeah, that's film. That's still it real making quick. its way through the, the festival circuit right now, um, and that's about, yeah. uh, about some dreamers who get themselves... Uh, voluntarily arrested and put in ICE detention centers so that they can help the people inside get out. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I want to yeah. see that. Good stuff. Uh, all right, so follow us, uh, The Movie Guys, here on uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that, at The Movie Guys, Instagram as well, for daily nonsense and jokes and links, articles, media, and more. Thanks to Jennifer Westfall and Joe Plummer. <laughs> I'll applaud. Where's the, I just where's the applause? Where's the Sorry, applause I got to go back. Nice. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Thank Knock you, Down Paul. the House is streaming yeah. now on Netflix, and Won't You Be My Neighbor is available on VOD pretty much everywhere YouTube, Voodoo, Amazon, etc. And as ever, you can find everything we're up to at uh, themovieguys.net. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.